Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! It's the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on 960 AM. WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. The Twitch app also has a video feed of the program rolling as we speak. Eight minutes after five o'clock, the snow is falling currently in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Well, this is the final Budweiser's weekday sports beat for... 11 days next week, a holiday week. The show will take a break and we'll have CBS Sports Radio airing between 5 and 7 in place of Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. But I'll be back on the air for Notre Dame Football Game Week. The next show after today will be Tuesday, December the 27th, back in our 5 to 7 time slot. And, of course, it's game week because the Fighting Irish football team will take on the Gamecocks of South Carolina December 30th, 3.30 kickoff here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So we will have game week coverage here starting on the 27th. But next week we're going to shut it down for a few days with the holidays and you'll have CBS Sports Radio here on WSBT Radio. So... This is a little early, but Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to one and all. Hope you have a wonderful holiday with family and friends and looking forward to being back with you on the 27th as we get one more football game week for the Fighting Irish in 2022. So on the final show for a little while, here's what we're going to try to accomplish. 
We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up, and it builds off yesterday's question, which is centered around the 12-team college football playoff, which is a couple of years away, and where you would like to see the quarterfinal matchups take place, those four games that kick off this brand-new playoff. So we'll give you the results of that question coming up in a little bit. Then we'll build off that question and talk about if you're okay with cold weather college football playoff games. We're used to dome games or games in Pasadena, for example, where you have nice weather. What about a quarterfinal if it's Florida at Notre Dame and it's a day like today? Is that good for college football having a playoff game in the snow? So we'll get to that discussion coming up in just a little bit. Also on the program this evening, I'll try to predict five sports headlines coming up from the weekend. In the 6 o'clock hour and end of the regular season, Notre Dame football opponent ranking. We will take the 12 opponents on this year's Irish schedule and rank them like an AP or a coach's poll from 12 until 1. We're going to talk a little high school basketball tonight. Brian Miller, who will call the Mishawaka Concord game on our sister station, 96-1 the tunnel a little after 7 o'clock. He's going to stop by before that game. Talk about this caveman team that's 3-2, and two, the new look Concord team. And we will throw in a little pen and Marion conversation because they look like two of the elite teams in our area and in the state in their respective classes. So we'll talk some high school hoops with Brian right around 625. And we've got some sports wagering picks to take care before the end of the program so that is what is in store for us tonight and we have a couple of first pitches for you today as we have some breaking news surrounding the White Sox the Purdue Boilermakers and then we'll get to our regularly scheduled first topic of what the Irish should do at the quarterback position for the Gator Bowl on December 30th. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Okay, let's start with Notre Dame football. And then we'll talk about the White Sox signing free agent outfielder Andrew Benatendi. And according to Matt Fortuna who covers college football for The Athletic. Purdue has finalized a deal to hire West Virginia offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. But first, let's focus on the Notre Dame football team. With Drew Pine entering the transfer portal after Marcus Freeman was very honest with him that, hey, we're going to probably bring in a transfer portal quarterback, Drew decided, you know what? I'm not going to compete anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. And play, and so far we do not know Drew Pine's new destination. What we do know is the guy who started the first two games of the year, Tyler Buckner, is participating in practice. He is not taking contact, though. And the guy who started the year as the scout team quarterback moved up to the backup quarterback behind Drew Pine. Steve Angeli also is getting first-team reps during this bull prep. So the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, it is two weeks away. In fact, we're probably in the third quarter right now, two weeks from today. 
and probably how you answer this question will tie into your feelings about the importance of this Gator Bowl game. How desperately you want your team to win this game. If you are a Notre Dame football fan that is all in on winning this game, ending the season on a high note, finishing 9-4, and four, then you probably want just one quarterback to play, the best quarterback to play, and I would assume that would be the guy who won the job initially before the injury, Tyler Buckner. Now, if you're a fan of Notre Dame and you're not going to be that upset if they lose, you want them to win, but it's a glorified exhibition game anymore with people opting out. You might be more willing to watch Notre Dame be creative at the quarterback position, which means possibly using Buckner and Angeli in the ball game. A lot of different ways to look at this ball game. I'm shocked. The news I saw within the hour You've got Alabama not making the playoff this year. They're just, for Alabama, just in the Sugar Bowl. Two guys that have a chance to be top 10 picks in the NFL draft are not opting out. Quarterback Bryce Young, last year's Heisman Trophy winner and the best defensive player in the country, Will Anderson, both are going to play in the Sugar Bowl. That is stunning. In fact, Nick Saban... The head coach of the Crimson Tide said today, none of my players are opting out. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Going to the NFL draft early, Bryce and Will, I would suggest you not play, but I give you credit for wanting to play. Here in South Bend, Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey went the different route, which I fully support. They're not going to play in the bowl game. They're going to focus on their NFL draft status that they're going to try to improve on. And, hey, let's face it, avoid injury by not playing in the bowl game. So Alabama's going to be lucking out. They've got their guys playing. Other teams, not so fortunate. But back to Notre Dame and the quarterback position. Buckner or Angeli? And I think for the sake of our conversation, let's take health out of the equation. Buckner was cleared by doctors, he's practicing, he's not being hit. But if he is cleared to play in the game, then let's say health is out of the equation. Let's don't worry about health. Who do you want starting at the quarterback position? Well, I'm going to play back a couple of comments of my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'll add my comments, and I think all of us feel a little differently about what Notre Dame should do, which I think makes the conversation a little more fun, actually. Let me start with Mike Singer. He is the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Followed closely Notre Dame's recruitment of Buckner and Angeli. Has always been a supporter of, of Steve Angeli being recruited and signing with the Fighting Irish. So I asked Mike, If he had a chance to make the decision, what would he do for the Gator Bowl at the quarterback position? So Mike Singer, Blue and Gold, illustrated his thoughts if Notre Dame should use Buckner and Jelly or both. Yeah, for me, it's it's hard to answer the question without all the information at hand. Like, just how healthy is Buckner? That's the thing. 
Like, if he's like 100% this shoulder is better than it was, you know, before the injury, then, yeah, just play him. You know, just, like, see. You know, like, how do they feel about Angeli? Do they honestly feel like he's the guy who could compete next year? Because if he is, you, you play both. How badly do you want to win this game? Like, is this like, a, we need to win this game. There's no time for experiment. So I have more questions than answers. Um, but to give you an answer, I would say start Buckner, give him a few series, play in jelly. Just, just try it out. Just try it out. Yeah. Try to win the game. Give Buckner a, you know, a, uh, what you want to call it for next year, a, a tryout, a rehearsal, whatever. Show the staff what he's got. With that better O-line, right? Because that's, that's, I don't want to call it an excuse, but let's call it an excuse. Oh, he, he wasn't good in the first two games. He got the blind stump. Well, I think all five offensive linemen are going to play in the Gator Bowl. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and uh, But also, try and jelly. Let's see. We'll see what he's got as well. Okay, so that was Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So now let's go to another Blue and Golder. The Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated and my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra, which will be December 30th from noon until 2.30. He is Tyler Horkin. Earlier this week, I asked Tyler if he had to make the decision. Do you go with Buckner? Do you go with Angeli? Do you go with a combination of the two? Here's what Tyler thought about that particular question. So I've wavered a little bit in this, it, it seems like this has taken on a life of its own, this conversation, ever since Drew Pine entered the transfer portal. And that news is well over a week old at this point. I know he officially entered a week ago today, December 5th, but that's when everyone officially entered. He came out on December 2nd and said, that's my intention. So ever since then, it's been about nine days. And from the very beginning, I thought Steve Angeli should be the starter. He's been the backup all year, he's taken first-team reps as a result of that because, of course, Drew Pine was the starter for two months, but you asked the second-string guy to take at least a few first-team reps in the case that Pine would have got hurt or couldn't have played for whatever reason. You need Steve Angeli to be ready to play. During that whole entire time, Tyler Buckner was up in the press box with Tommy Reese watching from a bird's-eye view, and who knows what he was doing at practice probably watching from the sideline with the clipboard in his hand while Steve Angeli had his helmet on, was actually throwing footballs and handing off to running backs, throwing to the tight ends, the wide receivers, and all those things. So I think right now, from a football perspective, Steve Angeli is the most ready quarterback on the roster to start this game. And I've been saying all along that if you do 100% clear Tyler Buckner from his injury coming back from that shoulder surgery, which sounds like, is going to be the case. It's not going to be an injury designation that prevents him from starting. Then, yeah, you play him a little bit, but I have a really hard time putting Tyler Buckner out there for his first competitive live reps against competition that wears another color in a bowl game like this against an SEC opponent, uh, a team that has a lot of momentum and optimism right now around Shane Beamer. They want to play and win this bowl game and you put Tyler Buckner out there without Michael Mayer in that situation. Now, I'm not saying throw the freshman Steve Angeli to the Wolves. This sure. whole game doesn't matter. See what happens. But 
you can also kind of learn a little bit about Steve Angeli. We learned a little bit about Tyler Buckner against Ohio State and against Marshall. We haven't learned anything about Steve Angeli in competition. So, yeah, you want to bring in the transfer quarterback, but you also want to know what you have in all, you know, three of these guys, Buckner, Angeli, and the prospective transfer. The only way you're going to learn anything going into the offseason about Steve Angeli is if you play him and by my thinking and what I would do, start him in this bowl game against South Carolina. Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, his opinion. So as you can see, between Mike and Tyler, varying opinions. And I'm probably just a little different than both of them. In fact, I'm probably a whole lot different than Tyler. I'm closer to Mike's opinion. First, I'll say this. This is me speaking on the importance of the Gator Bowl. I hope Notre Dame wins, but I'm not going to lose any sleep if they don't. These bowl games that are not in the playoff are glorified exhibitions. You have all these opt-outs. The team that will take the field for Notre Dame and the team that will take the field for South Carolina will look different from the one we saw during the regular season. South Carolina has had several opt-outs as well, including a really good defensive end and running back. So I'm just not putting a lot of stock in this game. Anytime you put the helmet on, yes, you want to win the game. If you're a fan, you want to win the game. But I'm just saying I'm not going to be upset if they lose the game. I'm not going to set off fireworks if they win the game. So I'm more worried about learning information that will go toward the opener of 2023 more so than winning this game. I'm not a coach or a player, so I can look at it that way. Players and coaches are going to look at it a little differently, obviously. But for me, since I'm not concerned about win or loss, the starting quarterback for me is Tyler Buckner. If he is cleared, if he is healthy, if the doctors say he can absorb contact in the bowl game, then Tyler Buckner is my starting quarterback. During the offseason, he won the starting job. Unfortunately, suffered an injury against Marshall that required his non-throwing left shoulder to be operated on, and he missed the rest of the regular season. I think it's probably fair to say he's ahead of schedule because he's been practicing during bowl prep and during the development phase of bowl prep. Now, he's not taking any hits. That's by design from head coach Marcus Freeman. So I think Tyler does make a good point. Even though I'm not with the mindset of going with Angeli like Tyler, I want Buckner, but I will say, There is something to be said about Tyler. He's not taken a hit since September against Marshall. He's not taking any hits in practice, so the first time he's going to get hit is by an opponent that's not going to be overly concerned about his well-being. If you're in practice, the defense, of course, is going to hold up. They're not going to try to hurt Tyler Buckner. The opposition, I'm not saying they're going to try to hurt him, but they're going to go full out to tackle it or hit him, whatever the case may be. So I think Tyler does bring up a good point, 
But I still believe Buckner is my choice to be the starting quarterback in this game. And I believe he should play a majority of the game. Mike made a good point in his comments that without knowing all the information, it's tough to give a rock-solid answer. And that's true because what I'm about to say would affect how I feel about the decision a little bit. What are the expectations of the Notre Dame coaching staff of Steve Angeli? We know Tyler Buckner is well thought of because he won the starting job going into this season. Steve Angeli is a freshman from New Jersey. We have not seen a whole lot of Steve Angeli. You got a quarterback coming in. He'll be signing next week. And then, of course, C.J. Carr, a highly thought of recruit in 2024. You've got a grad transfer quarterback probably joining this program during the offseason. So if Notre Dame believes Steve Angeli can be a starting quarterback, then I think he deserves the opportunity to get playing time in this game. If the coaching staff isn't sure or believes that he is more of a backup, then I'm not as concerned about getting Angeli playing time. It's more for me as I look at it about getting players who could play a big role in next year opportunities in this particular game. And I think it's important for Tyler because not counting the blue goal game, which again is not a real game, he's not going to get hit. If he doesn't play in this game, he's going to go 11 months without being hit or in a game situation. So I think this is a good opportunity to get him back out on the field, get rid of some of those nerves, get that first hit on the left shoulder out of the way, and then you move forward. Tyler Buckner has an outstanding chance to be the starting quarterback next year, whether they bring a transfer quarterback in or not. If he beats out that veteran guy, awesome. If the veteran guy beats him out, awesome. You want to improve the quarterback position. That's what this is all about this offseason. And I think this game is a part of building that. So Tyler Buckner is my starter. And again, based on information we don't know what the coaching staff believes is the ceiling or the possible future of Steve Angeli, he might play a little bit or not much. But I do think it's important for Tyler to get out there. And I'm just going to be selfish. As a selfish analyst on the radio of this Notre Dame football team, I just want more information on Tyler Buckner and his passing ability. Last offseason... When we were talking about this Notre Dame offense and about who was going to be the starter, remember last summer, we still didn't know. We assumed it was Buckner, but we didn't know. I felt very confident in what Buckner could bring to the rushing attack. He showed that off as a part-time quarterback, helping out Jack Cohn of the offense last year. But he only threw around 30 passes last year. And... I just didn't get enough of a feel of how good he was going to be as the full-time starter. Wasn't given the chance against Ohio State. The Marshall game plan started off a little odd. Then they got going a little bit more in the second half. He's never had the chance to play in front of the better Irish offensive line. He played behind the offensive line that was still trying to piece things together. 
get their timing down, their chemistry. Drew Pine benefited from the better Irish offensive line when he was starting. So Buckner not having to run for his life all the time, dropping back, firing the football, going through his progressions. I want to see that, and I think he's got a chance to do that behind this fighting Irish offensive line. So Mike Singer, Buckner starts, gets a few series, play Angeli. Tyler Horka, Angeli starts because he had a few first-team reps every week in practice when Pine was starting. He's the most ready to be the starting quarterback. And Tyler brought up he's hesitant to put Buckner out there with the first time being hit by an opposing team. Both make interesting points, but I'm all in on Tyler Buckner as my starter and playing as much as possible. If he is medically fine, let's see what he can do. Just another part to add to his resume as, once again, he will go through a quarterback competition here in South Bend. Won it last year against Drew Pine. This time around, he'll compete against Steve Angeli and fill in the blank with your favorite transfer portal quarterback. We'd love to get your thoughts. You can always drop us a tweet on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Speaking of my Twitter account, the Twitter question of the day for today is posted. We'll go through yesterday's results and also unveil today's question coming up next. Then we'll get into a little bit about Andrew Benintendi signing with the White Sox. And the Purdue Boilermakers have found their offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell. 531 Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. For great American flavors in South Bend, head to Howard Park Public House, home of the Upside Down Burger. Join us for lunch and dinner or brunch every Sunday from 11 to 4. Enjoy unique burgers, new pasta dishes, and fresh cut steaks. Plus, Christmas drink specials include cranberry sangria and four for $20 mimosa and mules. Don't miss the Howard Park Public House gift card special. Buy $50. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. 536 is our time. The snow continues to fall in downtown South Bend and across the area. Just looking out at the main road outside of our building. Traffic going a little bit on the slow side right now with snow covering the roads. Keep that in mind as you're leaving work or traveling around on this Friday evening. Once again, this is our last sports beat for... 11 days. We'll take a break for the holidays. Sportsbeat returns on December the 27th. You'll hear CBS Sports Radio for the next few weekdays here on WSBT Radio between 5 and 7 o'clock. All right. Our Twitter question of the day is always found on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Let's recap yesterday's question. When the college football playoff expands to 12 teams, After the 24 season, where would you like to see the four quarterfinal games played? Here are the choices that I provided you. Number one, the team that is seeded higher would have the home field advantage. For example, 
if Florida is the 12 seed, Notre Dame is the 5 seed, it would be Florida at Notre Dame. A game being played at Notre Dame Stadium on maybe a day like today. Choice number two, just like the semifinals and the championship game, the quarterfinal games would be played on a neutral site, which, of course, could tie in the bowl games once again. And your third choice, something a little different, the quarterfinal games could be played in NFL stadiums. After 24 hours of voting, here are the results. NFL stadiums came in third place in the voting, only got 7.1% of the vote. I was just thinking about playing it in these big stadiums, make it more glamorous. Just another option for these four quarterfinal games. I'm not sure I would have voted for that, actually. Second place in the voting, getting 26.2% of the vote. Hold the quarterfinal games on a neutral site with the possibility of tying in a bowl game. So basically, you would just expand what we have been doing with the four-team playoff, and that is just have the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the final all on a neutral field so there is no home field advantage. But a majority of people who voted... What would you like to see done with the college football playoffs four quarterfinal matchups starting in 24? 66.7% felt like the five, the six, the seven, and the eight seed should have the home field advantage against the nine, the 10, the 11, and the 12. So the higher seed home field got 66.7% of the vote. I think. From a Notre Dame perspective, you want that to happen because since Notre Dame is not going to go into a conference, when we go to the new playoff format, the one, the two, the three, and the four seeds are conference champions. So believe it or not, Clemson won the ACC. They would be the number four seed if we had a 12-team playoff with that format this year. Utah would be the three seed. So hypothetically, Notre Dame could be the number one team in the college football playoff rankings going into the playoff, but they would have to play a first-round game as the five seed. The best Notre Dame can be under this format is the five seed. So to me, having the chance to play at home would be not the perfect trade-off, but it would at least help. It would be disappointing to be the number one seed and not be the number one seed. But I'll say this. I understand and I respect that they want to put a little more emphasis on conference champions. I'm okay with that. Now to have Utah the three, Florida the four, that seems kind of strange. And you know what? There's a strong argument. If you don't like that, I don't have much of a defense, to be honest with you doesn't seem perfect, but if we're going to have these conference championship games, if we're going to add all these extra games for these players, then you got to make the conference championship games worth something. So again, 66.7% felt like those four quarterfinal games should be played on a home field. Again, can you imagine having a ticket 
for Florida at Notre Dame. 7 o'clock start here in South Bend today with the snow falling. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Where's Reggie Brooks? He's good at playing these games in the snow at Notre Dame Stadium. We'll suit him up at running back. We'll give him that number 40 jersey. So because of that question, today's question kind of builds off that. Is it bad for the playoff process if these quarterfinal games are played in bad weather in December? Like I just said, Florida at Notre Dame on a day like today, is that good for the playoff? Does that help decide who the better team is? Will it factor into deciding who the better team is? Or would you rather have Rose Bowl type weather conditions? I honestly can't tell you the exact temperature out in Pasadena right now, but I would imagine it's 60s or 70s and sunshine right now. So I'm just kind of curious. When we expand to 12 teams and we have these four quarterfinal games, if one of those quarterfinal games is played in bad weather, is that good for the playoff? Two choices. Number one, bad weather equals bad football. Choice number two, play the game Wherever. I'm really curious to see the results of this particular question. We'll have the results for you on Twitter tomorrow at about 4 o'clock. Otherwise, for those of you listening to the program, we'll have the results for this question 11 days from right now. Again, you can vote at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Darren Pritchett with you. It is 543. Quickly to a couple of other topics that have popped up this afternoon. Matt Fortuna from The Athletic reporting that Purdue has finalized a deal to hire West Virginia offensive coordinator Graham Harrell to the same position in West Lafayette. Harrell spent 2019, 20, and 21 at USC, helping the Trojans lead the Pac-12 in passing offense in 20 and 21. And Harrell is a disciple of Mike Leach's air raid Offense, of course, we lost Coach Leach on Monday. And another individual with ties to Coach Leach is Graham Harrell, the new offensive coordinator at Purdue, according to Matt Fortuna from The Athletic. And also from ESPN, Adam Rittenberg has been on this story as well. From baseball this afternoon, I like this move. It's not a move that's going to power the White Sox up the American League power rankings. But this is a good, solid move to lengthen their offense, and I think they need that. Andrew Benintendi, left-handed hitting outfielder, was the first-round pick of the Red Sox, went to Kansas City, traded to the Yankees last year at the deadline. He is now a member of the White Sox. Benintendi gets five years and $75 million. In 2022, hit 304 between the Royals and the Yankees, a quite impressive on-base percentage of 373. The OPS just a little shy of 800 at 772. Five homers, 51 RBI, eight stolen bases, doesn't strike out a lot, 52 walks, 77 Ks. If you're into OPS+, plus, which brings together on-base, slugging, other factors, 100 is league average. Benintendi was 120 last year. For his career, Benintendi, 279 batting average, 351 on base, 782 the OPS. 
His war last year was 3.2. And if you want to say five years, $75 million, he makes $15 million a year. And in the war world where it's just that number that brings a bunch of stats together into one number to tell you how good the player is, right now when you're a war of 0.0, that basically means you are a player that can be replaced by somebody else and there's not going to be a lot of difference. If you're in the minus, that means the bench players are better than you. He was at 3.2, and if you're making $15 million a year, that is assumed to have – they want about a 1.6 war out of you. He doubled that last year. So money-wise, it looks really good. Good left-handed hitter, makes contact. He gets on base. Not a lot of power. I would think his power might go up a little bit playing a full season on the south side of Chicago. Now, maybe Michael Conforto would be a more high-end player, but he's looking for a shorter deal coming off an injury. Didn't play last year. Scott Boris wants a couple of years, an opt-out. And Benintendi, more long-term. He gets five years, $75 million from the White Sox. So they get a left-handed bat who will get on base. Maybe he's a guy that hits second in the White Sox lineup, hopefully setting up guys like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, Hopefully they can drive him in a lot in 2023. So Andrew Benintendi, five years, $75 million, now property of the Chicago White Sox. It is 547. Darren Pritchett with you. And our program tonight is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. How about South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, this holiday season. Protect your family from those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The fall edition of Radio Bingo is here. Michiana's virtual double bingo game is $5,000 worth of cash prizes that you could get your hands on. Grab your bingo card and play for big cash. Jackpots at michianabingo.com. Don't forget to use the Camden Appliance free space in the center. The jackpot grows daily by 50 bucks. For rules and bingo cards, head to michianabingo.com. Michiana's virtual double bingo game is brought to you in part by Bill's Collision, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Palmer Funeral Home, and Blunt's 
Auto Salvage. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today's My Five. I attempt to predict five headlines that will come out of this weekend's sports action. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with a National Football League headline. The Dallas Cowboys visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. When you hear that, you think of a mismatch. Cowboys, more of the dominant team compared to the Jaguars. But since the Jaguars have come into existence, they have won the same number of Super Bowl championships. So congratulations to Jacksonville for keeping up with America's team. All right, both have zero, but hey, the Jaguars are keeping up. It doesn't take much to keep up with the Cowboys the last 30 years. Ever since the dynasty fizzled, Cowboys, (laughs) when you take a look at the results, are no doubt the most overhyped team in the world. And they're going to sleepy Duval to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dallas favored by four and a half. In my headline, the Jaguars will cover the four and a half against the Cowboys in Duval this weekend. Trevor Lawrence at quarterback for Jacksonville, the number one overall pick a couple of years ago out of Clemson, starting to turn the corner. Still not totally consistent, but he was really good at Tennessee last week. Their run defense is actually really good in Jacksonville. So they're playing good football at the right time with Dallas coming to town. You take a look at Dallas. They nearly lost on their home field to the one win and one tie, Houston Texans. The Texans had the lead, had the ball at the one-yard line, couldn't punch it in, went for it on fourth down, got stuffed. Little time on the clock, Dallas went down the field and scored. To their credit, they won the game. It's against Houston. Yeah, it doesn't look great, but they figured out a way to win. And in the NFL, with everybody so tight in terms of level of play, you take a win any way you can get it. But the Cowboys are a tad bit broken. An injury left tackle. They lost a starting corner. Brown to an Achilles. They're a little dinged up right now. And also, let's remember what's next week for Dallas. The division rival and one loss, Philadelphia Eagles. Going to play the Jaguars doesn't get the adrenaline going like taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. So this could be just one of those trap games. So that's why. My headline is, the Jaguars will cover the four and a half against the Cowboys in Jacksonville. Four! Headline number four. The Colts see a lot of gritty and a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. The gritty is the dance performed by the great Justin Jefferson, Vikings wide receiver, when he scores a touchdown. Arguably... The most dominant wide receiver currently in the NFL coming out of LSU where he won a national championship with Joe Burrow. 
Colts are just trying to get through the season. Losses help their draft stock, draft status, trying to get one of those quarterbacks that many believe are guys that can really help a football team. I don't think there's a franchise quarterback in this year's group. But the Colts right now had that win against the Raiders with interim head coach Jeff Saturday. What a great start to his coaching tenure, and it's went sideways from there. Matt Ryan, just not what you're looking for at quarterback. That's been disappointing. I thought he would be okay, but it's not worked out. The offensive line has not been great. They have not had Shaq Leonard hardly at all this year at linebacker. Jonathan Taylor's numbers have dropped off significantly. A forgetful season in Indianapolis. And the Vikings, after losing to Detroit, you would expect a solid bounce-back performance against the Horseshoe. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Sports headlines from the weekend. My next headline is this. The most uncomfortable bowl game on record is won by Cincinnati over Louisville at Fenway Park. Tomorrow, this is going to be an odd one. Scott Satterfield, who was allegedly on the hot seat at Louisville back in October, finished strong with the Cardinals, looked like he was going to keep his job. Well, I guess it didn't matter. Because when Luke Fickle left Cincinnati to become the head coach at Wisconsin, Cincinnati grabbed Satterfield from Louisville. And guess what the bowl matchup is at Fenway? Cincinnati against Louisville. I mean, that's as odd as it gets. I think Cincinnati gets by Louisville in that particular bowl matchup in front of the Green Monster. Number two. Headline number two, the Eagles roll past the Bears as Chicago fans dream of Justin Fields having future success like Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's a long headline. That's not going to work in the publishing industry. But look at Jalen Hurts coming from college football, playing at Alabama and Oklahoma. Many weren't sure if he was going to be able to throw the football well enough to be an NFL starting quarterback. Well, they took him in Philadelphia. They've developed him. And now the run-pass option that Hurts provides are giving defenses a ton of headaches. Which brings us to Justin Fields. Justin Fields has a much stronger arm than Jalen Hurts. Coming out of college, Fields was more polished. But Hurts right now is trending or trending toward being the MVP in the National Football League this year. Fields getting much better as the season goes on with limited weapons around him and not the greatest offensive lines in front of him. But he's rushed for almost... A 1,000 yards this year. So could Justin Fields have the success of Jalen Hurts? You know what? It is very well possible. It's going to be fun to watch those two quarterbacks at Soldier Field this weekend. Number one. And the number one headline from this weekend's sports action, fingers crossed on this one. Notre Dame basketball gets warm on offense in Hotlanta against the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is 7-3. The Irish are 7-3. The teams will meet Sunday at 5.30 in the home of the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. You can hear the game on WSBT Radio. Georgia, two of the better opponents that they have played. They lost to Georgia Tech 
79-77. And they lost to Alabama-Birmingham, 87-73. Notre Dame has a lot to prove after a rough game at home last Sunday, losing to Marquette, 79-64. Georgia's not going to be able to attack like Marquette did. That's why I believe Notre Dame will be able to score more effectively on offense. They'll get into the 70s, and I believe Notre Dame will get the job done against Georgia down in Atlanta Sunday at 5.30 here on WSBT Radio. So the five headlines that I'm expecting to see this weekend, Jaguars cover the four and a half against the Cowboys in Jacksonville. The Colts will see a lot of the gritty and a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. The most uncomfortable bowl game on record is won by Cincinnati over Louisville. The Eagles roar past the Bears as Chicago fans dream of Justin Fields having future success like the Eagles' Jalen Hurts. And finally, Notre Dame basketball gets warm on offense in hot Atlanta against Georgia. 6.02 at WSBT, a sports update is on the way. Then we'll have our Notre Dame football opponent rankings at the end of the regular season. The voice of the Mishawaka Cayman basketball team, Brian Miller, stops by to preview Mishawaka Concord tonight and also talk some area basketball. And we'll have sports wagering before the end of the show here on 960 AM WSBT. at WSBT. Quick piece of Notre Dame football news. Thanks to a post on social media, Notre Dame wide receiver Matt Salerno has elected to return for his sixth season. He'll use that COVID bonus year. Salerno this year, five catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown Had one catch in 2021 has been used as a punt returner as well. So one more individual with veteran presence returning to the Fighting Irish. Matt Salerno will be back for a sixth year with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I'm Darren Pritchett. 615 is our time. Notre Dame opponent rankings to end the regular season. I ranked the 12 teams that Notre Dame faced this year, and we ranked them just like a college football playoff AP coaches poll and we'll start at number 12 at the end of the regular season team number 12 was UNLV they ended the year five and seven they fired their head coach and former Missouri head coach Barry Odom now in charge of the Rebels at number 11 Navy who lost that heartbreaking double overtime game to Army finished four and eight and fired coach Ken Ken Niamatololo is gone after 15 years with the midshipmen. Did an amazing job winning as coach in Navy history. It will be strange for Notre Dame to take on Navy without Coach Ken. At number 10 in the Notre Dame opponent rankings at the end of the regular season, Cal, they just ended up being a bad football team. A 4-8 squad that lost to maybe the worst Power 5 conference team, Colorado. Coming in at number nine, the end of the regular season, Notre Dame football opponent rankings. 
The Boston College Eagles, well, we saw how bad they were at Notre Dame Stadium. The Irish dominated BC. They finished 3-9, and nine, and their starting quarterback, Phil Jakovic, now will play at Pittsburgh. Notre Dame opponent rankings at the end of the regular season. Team 8, Stanford, lost six in a row, finished 3-9. and nine. David Shaw stepped down as the head coach at the conclusion of the season. Number 7, Sun Belt plays good football, folks. Marshall ended up winning four in a row, and they're an eight and four football team heading into their bowl game. Now to the top six. We begin with BYU, won three in a row to finish seven and five. They'll take on SMU in the New Mexico Bowl tomorrow. Team number five in the Notre Dame opponent rankings, the Syracuse Orange. Started 6-0, then lost six straight, and then won again to finish 7-5. They'll play in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium against the Minnesota Golden Gophers on December the 29th. Notre Dame, end of the regular season, opponent rankings. The number four team on the Irish schedule, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown's team finished with a record of 9-4. They lost the ACC championship game to Clemson. They led 7-0 but lost 39-10. North Carolina will take on Oregon in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl on December the 28th. The number three team in the Notre Dame opponent rankings, the Clemson Tigers who finished 11-2, ACC champions after routing North Carolina. And Clemson gets the opportunity to play in the Orange Bowl December 30th against the Tennessee Volunteers. A lot of orange in that game. Notre Dame opponent rankings. Team number two, the USC Trojans, who finished 11-2. Both of their losses to the Utah Utes. Lost at Utah thanks to a late two-point conversion, then were beaten soundly in Las Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game by Utah, 47-24. It'll be USC versus Tulane in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl on January 2nd. And the number one team at the end of the regular season in the Notre Dame football opponent rankings. The team that went wire to wire is number one. The Ohio State Buckeyes, 11 and one, but the one loss to the Michigan Wolverines at the horseshoe in convincing fashion, but the Buckeyes are able to survive and tell the story how they got beaten badly on their home field by 23 by their rival and still made the college football playoff. It's Ohio State and Georgia, December 31st, national semifinal in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl. So there you go, the Notre Dame opponent rankings at the end of the regular season. We'll talk some high school hoops with Brian Miller coming up next. Sports wagering talk on the way. It is 620 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT South Bend. 
You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. We turn our attention to high school basketball. We are well into the conference season in the Northern Indiana Conference, but the Northern Lakes Conference conference play debuts tonight, including the 3-2 Mishawaka Cayman on the road to take on the Concord Minutemen, a game that you can hear on our sister station. And that is 96-1 the ton tonight, probably a little after 7 o'clock. The play-by-play action will come your way, and Brian Miller will have the call from Concord High School, and he joins me for a couple of moments here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, first off, happy holidays to you and yours. Have you got your Christmas shopping done yet? You know what? I'm in pretty good shape. Normally I'm at 100% at this point. I'm probably at 85%. That's why there's no sports beat next week. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get your wrapping done, right? And all that baking done. Right? Uh, yeah, all that baking. Yeah, that's that's me, Mr. Baker. So I figured that. I figured that. But no, hey, happy holidays to you too. And uh, it's hard to believe, what, nine days away from Christmas. And uh, this is just when the high school basketball season seems to start uh, heating up a little bit. And I guess it's appropriate the NLC is going to tip off the conference season tonight. That's right. And I guess a good present for Mishawaka fans would be to start conference play with a victory tonight at Concord. I'll say this, they're 3-2. and two. They have a brand-new head coach, of course, that's trying to, I think, change a little bit of the culture of the program and how the Cayman have played. So it's going to take a little time for everything to fall into place. Let me just get your general thoughts, Brian. What do you think of this Mishawaka team five games into the season? Dangerous. Very, very dangerous. I think they are still finding their personality as far as a unit uh, offensively, uh, that's probably their biggest struggle. But they're a very physical team. They have uh, worked very hard in the offseason. That was one thing that uh, in my pregame conversations through the five games so far, other coaches have noted just uh, the, the eye test. Man, they're, they're uh, a physically strong-looking team. Uh, certainly uh, they'll get after it as far as, uh, A, emotionally, but B, physically, as far as a, a physical game. They'll, they'll push, they'll shove, they'll, they'll be as physical as any team that any, anybody else is going to face. Uh, I think defensively they, uh, they, they, they do a pretty good job. Uh, but I think right now Bodie Bender is working hard to not put his stamp, but for this team to put their stamp on who they're going to be. He's, he's letting them play, but at a certain, uh, I guess, uh, guidelines that you're going to do it my way. And um, certainly uh, there's been some kids adjusted with playing time uh, from what we saw a year ago under Ron Heklinski. But uh, certainly uh, this team, and when you get uh, Tommy Herringer hopefully back healthy, he had an ankle injury just over a week ago. And if you can get Maddox Yohe cleared and back on the floor, Yohe did not play last year, but uh, saw a lot of varsity time as a freshman and sophomore, and that kid, he, he can shoot it from the parking lot. Uh, if you get those two kids healthy and they continue to, to make strides, I think they're going to be really dangerous. I do too. I think they have – a ceiling still to reach, and I think you make some good points about there's a couple of parts that have not been on the floor. Of course, Maddox the whole year, but 
you take a look at the last week, they beat a sectional opponent in South Bend Riley, ending that long string of losses to the Wildcats that date back to 2005, and they did it without those two players. But then against Michigan City, got off to a bad start, falling behind 10-1, to and just really could never catch up. They had a chance to get within six at the end of the third quarter, missed a shot, and then gave up a couple of late field goals, and all of a sudden they're down 11, and it felt like the game was kind of over at that time. But I think at the very least, beating Riley – and they were competitive with Marion for a half, and they're just a heck of a basketball team, maybe the best coach team in the area, Rob Berger's Knights. So I'm just glad they faced some good competition early in the year because I think the new coaching staff is finding the warts of this team by playing that tough competition. Well, I will tell you, uh, you know, after a Thanksgiving Eve win against a good Tiffy Valley team, might be, maybe Valley might be one of the better shooting teams they're going to play all year long. You had a little extra time off after Thanksgiving, the full week. You played a team from Victory Christian out of Alpo that I think surprised some people on how athletic and how skilled they were. Uh, gave Mishawak a game. They had to come from 10 down to, uh, to win that contest uh, back December 3rd. But since then, they've had the Tuesday-Friday, Tuesday-Friday format. And I think this month of December is starting to really become a grind for this team. And I think Bodie Bender's, uh, you know, looking forward to you know the outing tonight, the trip to New Prairie, the uh, the Huntington North trip for the uh, holiday tournament coming up after Christmas, and then maybe catching their breath just a little bit before they get back uh, into the new year. Um, but I, I think certainly uh, a team that is yet to find themselves. I think a team that uh, once they get going and they get the rotation and just get the confidence factor on uh, uh, the offensive end of the floor in particular, I think uh, I think this the you know the, the possibilities are endless for this team uh, not just in, in putting wins on the board but maybe uh, maybe a competing for a Northern Lakes Conference championship which again the, that season starts tonight and then the sectional coming up in March it's a, a, a six team class 4 sectional that'll be at Laporte and I know it's a long ways away before that but I think as you look at it here on what December the 16th I think it's it's a it's a sectional that Mishawaka can compete in Ryan Miller, he'll call the Mishawaka Concord game tonight, a little after 7 o'clock on her sister station, 96-1 the ton. How about just a couple of thoughts being around Coach Bender? What do you think Mishawaka fans have in their new head coach and what they should expect in years to come from a guy that actually left a program after last year that has a heck of a chance to win a state championship this year? Uh, no doubt. I mean, uh, Bodie Bender had a, had a great four-year run down at uh, uh, Tiny Carroll High School, the Carroll Cougars down in Flora, Indiana, um, was so close to getting to the state finals last year, but it was just time to come home. He and his wife uh, have a new young daughter. This is where family is up in this area. Uh, certainly he is a Jimtown graduate. Ironically, tonight he's going to face another fellow Jimtown Jimmy in uh, Derek Deshone, who is the head coach over Concord High School, both those kids, uh, not kids anymore, but played for uh, Derek's dad, uh, Randy Deshone, and uh, certainly there's there's a lot of uh, um, you know I guess loyalty stripes there, and, and a lot of memories and so forth. It's ironic they're going to play uh, each other at Concord tonight because that's probably Jim Town's fiercest rival when you look locally over in the Elkhart community and so on. But uh, yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun, and I think you know Bodie Bender uh, brings a blue collar type of pack your lunch pail, come to the gym, come ready to work. 
I think he lets the kids be kids. I don't think he's trying to dictate uh, every word they say or how they dress or how they act necessarily. I think he likes to see them play with emotion. I think he lets them uh, uh, have a lot of say-so, but I think ultimately there are guidelines that he, he's going to demand, and uh, some players are taking you know, maybe a little longer to, to figure that out than others, but I think when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a great choice for Mishawaka basketball. Last year's Mishawaka team, Brian, I felt like just was a little too challenged on offense. They had a lot of droughts. There was not really a true post player on that team. There was not really a true three-point shooter on the squad. This year, I think they're developing more as offensive players. But to me, how far this team can go may come down to how far along they come along offensively. Who are some of the names you feel like that could help Mishawaka get a little better on offense as the season goes on? I think Jackson Snyder is, is an individual who, you know, we, we talked on the broadcast Tuesday, Brady, Brady Fisher, uh, obviously, foot Notre, or Notre Dame, try again, Mishawaka football fans uh, have heard a lot about Brady Fisher, and he's the quarterback, and he's the go-to guy as far as the, the best player on the football, uh, football team. Uh, here in basketball, it takes some time to get your football um, I guess the bull, the china shop physicality switched over to a, a smoother uh, game, and certainly the conditioning factor in basketball is so, so much different. Uh, but I think Brady Fisher and Jackson Snyder, two very solid football players. You take Ace Troyer, uh, Jack Troyer, these kids that have played football. It's going to take probably another couple of weeks before they're in their in their basketball condition, I guess, for lack of a better term. I think that could be big, but I anticipate Jackson Snyder is going to handle the ball much more. I think at some point he's going to find his shot. Um, Anthony Nelson, you know, he is uh, one of those very quiet kids who can just all of a sudden he can light up two, three, four three-pointers that uh, in, a, in, a, in a quarter or in a half. I, I think he's going to be a big factor because ultimately if the guard play can improve, he can get open. Now that frees up the inside play. Certainly Tommy Herringer, he, he's quite a specimen inside. But there's some kid named Pritchett that does a pretty good job around here too, especially taking care of the offensive glass. Uh, Coop had a really good ball game on uh, Tuesday against Michigan City, kind of trying to rally the troops to come from behind. And, and we'd be missing the boat if we didn't talk about Arthur Jones. This was an all-conference player a year ago. He averages right around 14 points per ball game. I think he and Bodie Bender are still trying to figure things out on just uh, uh, what the, the expectations are and, and maybe what uh, Arthur Jones expected or anticipated going into his senior year. I think when they figure all that out as far as personalities, as far as team chemistry and so forth, you've got five or six, seven weapons here that can score. You know, Rasan Johnson, he's had some really good ball games, and guess what? He's improved his skills from a year ago. Uh, we mentioned Brady Fisher, and he's uh, maybe labeled as a football player. He's a really, really good basketball player, too. And um, I, I think that um, if, if the progress continues, uh, as long as they don't lose confidence in any way, shape, or form, uh, again, I think the, uh, the sky's the limit for this team. Right, two more quick ones. First off, when you think of the Northern Lakes, Northridge and Northward are going to come to mind immediately. Tonight's opponent, Concord, is kind of on the opposite end of the scale. I think Concord fans probably had to invest in a new roster sheet this year because a lot has changed. <laughs> oh, wow. They, uh, during a year ago when we, when we covered this game, they had two, four, six, eight. They had nine seniors on roster. All five starters were seniors. And from that game last year that Mishawaka won, 
at the cave 56 to 47 uh, back on December 17th. There's only three points in this game uh, from that game rather that will return to the court tonight for Derek Deshaun and uh, and the Minutemen. Uh, now they do have five seniors, but they saw very very limited time last year. Uh, Javion and uh, Javarion Shepard, uh, twins that are uh, brothers, obviously, and, and they're great athletes. You have got uh, Nathan Schoner, who saw a little varsity time last year, and those are a couple names that I anticipate we'll hear from tonight. Scotty Report's been kind of quiet from Concord and so forth going into this, so it'll be one that uh, I know Bodie Bender will rely on his scouting, because the tape last year, you could probably just throw that in the trash can, because there's not a lot of that game that you're going to be able to use here tonight uh, as far as scouting this uh, this club from Concord, who does come in 2-4, and four, but uh, they're a dangerous team, and while they, they don't score a lot, they have Average only 40 points per ball game. Uh, they only give up 53. And uh, you know, anytime you go on the road, in the NLC, it's, it's it tends to be a dogfight. We'll end with this. You look at the early part of the boys' basketball season. Penn and Marion obviously stand out. Marcus Burton, arguably the best player in the area, maybe the best player in the state, leading that Penn basketball team. And as I said earlier. Rob Berger does as good a job as anybody, year in and year out, of putting a quality product on the floor at Mishawaka Marion. The Cavemen saw Marion a few weeks, or I guess about a week and a half ago, and their length on defense is going to cause a lot of teams' issues. So when I think big picture, Penn and Marion are two teams that come to mind, Brian. I think I'm going to buy a ticket for that Marion Penn game, uh, whenever that is on the schedule coming up here later in the winter. But when you look uh, at the the area overall, there are some really, really good teams. I think the NIC is quite balanced. Certainly graduation hit a couple of those uh, schools hard. But, hey, don't forget about Southland Washington. They're playing really, really well right now. And when you look at the Northern Lakes Conference, certainly Northwood was ranked number one early in the season. They're still 6-1. and one. They're winning by an average margin of 31 points per ball game. Northridge got, uh, I think, uh, snuck up on by South and Riley just a bit. But Tuesday they lost in overtime to the Wildcats over on the south side of South Bend. But Northridge is 5-1. and one. Those are probably the two premier teams in the Northern Lakes Conference. Goshen is much improved. And I will tell you, Warsaw, even though they're 2-2, two and two, don't let that fool you. The Tigers play a monster non-conference schedule. They are always incredibly tough and very, very skilled. And I know this year Mishawaka has to hit the road to the Tiger Den to play Warsaw. That is going to be a heck of a challenge in the first few days of February. And then, you know, you've got Plymouth and you've got Wabasee. I know the, the, the Pilgrims really struggled a year ago. They're 3-2 and two right now going to league play. In fact, six of the eight teams in the Northern Lakes Conference are over are 500 or better uh, going into conference play. So that, uh, that certainly says a lot about the league. In around 20, 25 minutes, Brian will start the pregame coverage of Mishawaka at Concord on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. Brian, thanks for the visit. Have a great call. We'll see you over at Concord tonight. Looking forward to it. There's nothing better than Indiana Hoosier hysteria on uh, Friday nights, especially in this nasty winter weather. And uh, it's a a pleasure to be back on the air calling games full-time. All right, Brian. Safe travels. We'll talk to you then. We'll see you at McEwen. All right, that's Brian Miller, Darren Pritchard with you. We'll wrap up Sports Beat with a sports wagering segment. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 